Everybody. Welcome back to Mouse Madness. Uh, it's been a while since the tournament ended, but uh, we're here with a very special episode. Uh, so quick introductions out of the way. I'm your host, Irish Husky, a.k.a. Nicholas. I'm joined Hi. by my usual posse, as well as a very special guest. So we'll start with the posse first, and then the guest. Hello, I am Wesley, Dr. W. I had suffered from March... Mouse Madness withdrawal and podcast withdrawal. So I kind of was very serendipitous to find this guy, and I'm really glad to be back. Hello, I am Carrick Raccoon Bro and Namnet, and I, as always, there you go. Hello, I'm Yoda Jets 10, aka Jets and Lennox. I am a writer and reviewer of animation, and I'm also a voice impressionist. I do like the Tweety Bird from Looney Tunes, and also your Samurai Sam! Nice. Oh, by, by the way, happy birthday to Death Battle. It's their 10 year anniversary today. Yay. Oh, nice. Only, only 10 years feels like just yesterday. <laughs> All right, and. Uh, and, uh,. Here we have a special guest. Please introduce yourself and what you're all about. Hello, I am Micah Hirsch, and I am well. I am an animator on YouTube through Fireblast Studios. But I think the reason I'm on here is I am also the host of the Emperor's New Podcast, a podcast all about the Emperor's New Groove franchise, everything from the movies, the game, to the TV show, to even obscure appearances in the parks. Yeah. Yeah, and this technically counts as Emperor's New Groove-related media, so you can add this to your repertoire. Yeah. That would be insanely meta. Yeah, we have uh, we here at Mouse Madness are more than familiar with the Emperor's New Groove. Uh, for those who somehow forgot in the month since we uploaded the finale, the Emperor's New Groove was the grand champion of the 58-film tournament. Uh, an outcome that really shocked me at the time... But uh, I think over time, the more I've really thought about it and the more I've thought about its legacy and its influence, it doesn't, it's not that surprising to me anymore. Um, it was just underseated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was, I think, one of like four movies in the tournament that was a lower seed to move on to the second round. Yeah. But it was the only one to get past round two, even though it had, like, the lowest chance of getting there. So, uh... I still feel like if we had held a poll like this on a more, like, national level, as opposed to exclusively on the internet, it might have not stood as much of a chance. Because, let's face it, internet culture worships this movie. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> that was... That's one of the reasons I think it won. <laughs> yep. And, yeah. And I, I voted, mean, I have, I voted for Emperor's New Groove every time, so I don't judge those people. I, rush, <laughs> I worship this movie, too. Yeah. And you became leading expert on Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious. As, as, as happy I am as the Emperor's New Groove one, I am at least glad that the Lion King still put up a fighting chance. Yeah, the Lion King is a wonderful movie. Nothing to sneeze at. True. So, um, so quick recap for Micah, because he's a little behind. All right, so is this just a recap of the Emperor's New Groove's journey? Yep. 
All right. Because yep. uh, I feel like we'd be here forever if we did literally everything. Yeah, yeah. I guess. So uh, so the way I set up the tournament was uh, I, I gave each movie a score based on the average of their uh, IMDb and Metacritic score. And I used those scores to rank them from 1 to 58. And I used those rankings to seed them in a March Madness-style bracket. And The Emperor's New Groove started out in 33rd place, so it became a 9 seed in Class A. Now, in the first round, it went up against the 8 seed, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad a semi-forgotten 1940s uh, post-World War II package film that, let's face it, never stood a chance. Emperor's New Groove beat it out 15 votes to zero. The second round... Go ahead. I'm a little sad that I didn't get a chance to talk about that film because I do have fond memories of it as a kid. Oh, yeah. That's right. You came in late to that podcast, didn't you? Yeah, you guys were talking about Moana, I think, but oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so maybe maybe some other time we we could talk about like obscure Disney movies, perhaps. All right, so the first round was kind of a freebie, but the second round it went up against the one seed from Class A, the overall one seed, Beauty and the Beast. Now I thought this Beauty is- and the Beast was going to curb stomp this movie. Or, at the very best possible case scenario, it would be a very close matchup with Emperor's New Groove maybe winning. This em- is where I came in. Yes. Like, like I, I was I was kind of on stage. I was first saying Beauty and the Beast was going to win. <laughs> I was first saying Beauty and the Beast was going to win, but, like, the Emperor's New Groove, like, legit surprised me here. Yeah, this, this is the turning point where we realized that things were a bit not... We weren't in Kansas anymore, so yeah, to speak. This, this essentially oh, yeah. set the tone for the rest of the tournament because the Emperor's New Groove won this matchup 20-10 to 10 against the only movie in this entire tournament to get a Best Picture nomination and is yeah, still widely regarded as an all-time classic. So to see it win by that large of a margin, yeah, that was the point we knew that we were in for something special with this one. Emperor's New Groove win. Less of a surprise, but I'm more surprised at the margin. Yeah, yeah. It it makes me question if Beauty and the Beast can't beat this film, what can? And it turns out nothing. That's why, like, I was putting up against, like, putting up a light. Like, I was talking about Moana and stuff and Mulan. I'm just like, well, if it beat Beauty and the Beast, the others don't stand a chance. Hmm. Like, then on to the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, also, you know. Later. <laughs> we'll, later. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the Sweet 16 round, uh, Emperor's New Groove went up against the four seed, which was Moana. Uh, Moana won by, or lost by less of a point margin, but more of a ratio margin. 13 votes Moana? to five. Sorry. Sorry. So still two and a half times more votes than its opponent which at this point was just par for the course for the movie. I think Moana is my second favorite Disney movie, and for a large part, it's the exact opposite reason why The Emperor's New Groove is my first favorite movie. (laughs) That's fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, Moana's in in my top ten. Moana, I I definitely... it was the first film I talked about on this podcast. It's a Disney movie. (laughs) And I'm I'm glad I did, because... 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely at least in my top fifteen. Because yeah, there, I, I wasn't as much a fan as you guys, but after rewatching it for this tournament and hearing you guys' thoughts, I kind of warmed up to it. Moana, in my opinion, like as I said, like numerous times, back in Mouse Madness, John Mouse and Ron Clements are my favorite directors of Disney. Moana is my least favorite work from them, even though I still think it's a good movie. It's I just don't think it's near as good as like Little Mermaid or Aladdin or so forth. And that's, well, fair. that's fair. Yeah. And you also said that um, you don't think uh, Shiny would be as big as it is if it weren't for Skate Frillis, right? I guess. Yeah. Or, or somebody I, said know, that. I, thought, I thought John Toe was my favorite part. He was just hilarious. <laughs> I, I think somebody said that, that Tomato wouldn't be as big as he is without Skate Frillis. I forgot I, who. I think I think he should have been in the movie more. Is it, is more it, is it Stayferless or Shaferless? I, I'm not sure. I, mean, I don't know. I always thought it was Shaferless, but I, I don't know. I, man, I don't know. <laughs> Incidentally, yeah. also did a video about the Embers and Groove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why it's a comedic yeah. classic. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, on to the Elite Eight round. Uh, the Emperor's New Groove went up against uh, the seven seed Mulan. And this was the moment where it almost fell apart. This was uh, the biggest challenge. Yeah. Uh, I thought Beauty and the Beast was going to put up like a really close fight with Emperor's New Groove. It turns out Mulan was the one to put up the big fight, and it literally came as close as you could possibly get. By the time voting was over, it was it's at a ten song, to man. ten tie. It's oh, that boy. song. Everybody loves that song. <laughs> that that one song. <laughs> the one that everybody... Well, I like the other ones, but most people talk about. Yeah. You know, I'll make a man out but, of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the showstopper. Exactly. They got they got the Donny Osmond. I'll yeah. tell you, it's the reason that movie is a musical. Tony Bancroft, the the um, director, one of the directors of the movie, who also was the supervising animator of Kronk, was on my podcast, and he told me that they didn't want Mulan to be a musical, and the thing that convinced them was make a man out of you. Wow. Oh wow. Really? Wow. Cool. Good job, Donny Osmond. You did something good for once. <laughs> Yes, I, oh. I have him on my podcast, and soon Bob Bergen, the voice of Bucky the Squirrel, will be on my podcast. Oh, and that is dead. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I just asked. <laughs> Dude. Just like, for you. Dude, Bob Bergen, I love that, man. That's going to be, that's sick. And Porky Pig. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's been, he's one of the few uh, voice actors to have surpassed one of Mel Blanc's roles, in my opinion. What other ones, dude? Like I heard Joe Alaski as Marvin the Martian was um also one of them. Uh I I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Viewers, but what do you think? <laughs> like uh, I was just wondering. Like what I'll, voice I'll actor that. like what voice actors surpassed uh, a Mel Blanc role? Well, I just say Bob Bergen because he's been voicing Porky for such a long time. Like because with other characters it kind of changes out, but nobody really like in the game, in the app game, for or like Looney Tune, the Mayhem game on the app, like Eric Bowser voices everyone in that game except for Porky Pig. Like that's how ingrained Bob Bergen is with that role. Wow. Yeah, like um, I heard that Bob Bergen also got voice ID tips from Mel Blanc himself over the phone. Actually, there's yes, a sound, there's a sound clip of um, like I think on Bob Bergen's site actually. Wow. You know, when you think about it, that's probably the best way to get voice acting tips over the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. The, yeah, the father of it himself. 
Mm -hmm. But anyway, Emperor's New Groove was tied with Mulan. Then what happened? Oh, well, oh, one more comment I just want to make. The, I will say the one thing about these live-action remakes, the one good thing they do is that they have given us a better appreciation of the class. I think that's probably why Mulan put up such a fight because no, of the really remake. Really and how, how don't remake how... Emperor's Groove. <laughs> no, Sorry. don't. I'm not sure how that would work, even because it's one of the, the most. The only way I could see it working is if they got like um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller to do it, and it was a super meta thing. Or like I could see that it, probably. Well, or we just like go back to the era in the '90s when live-action films like tried really hard to be cartoons yeah. in like like in live-action. Like, like the mass, really difficult to like pull that off. Kind of like the like the 101 Dalmatians movie or like Home Alone 2. The only yeah. movie I think I know of, and I haven't watched it in a long time, so I don't know how well it holds Or up. the Inspector um, Gadget movie. That was yeah. very cartoony. Does the cartoon and live-action thing fairly well that I can remember mm-hmm. is um, Brendan Fraser's George of the Jungle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I lo- I lo- yeah, I love that movie. I had a childhood um, favorite. That's the only I one it. I know of that could really pull it off. I think it still holds up. Yeah, yeah. like I haven't watched it in ages. So remember, nobody dies in this film. They just get really big boo boos. <laughs> one, one of my favorite parts of that movie is when the bad guys, like the henchmen, start arguing with the narrator too. Why don't Why don't you say something constructive or change? Like, what we should do now? <laughs> Wait, was it those movies that had? This is where we throw our heads back and laugh. Yes. Uh, I believe that's where that came from. It is exactly where that meme comes from. God, I love that so reaction. Anyway, how did you break the tie? All right, so the way that I broke the tie was I consulted a friend of mine in real life who actually works for a Disney's Travelmation company as a travel agent. And... Uh, she said it was a very tough choice, but she had to go with Emperor's New Groove just because it was funnier. I can respect that. Uh, yeah. I have- she also she also consulted on the Little Mermaid versus Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, she went for Little Mermaid that, on um, that. That was. Well, that's not surprising. I like them both, but the Little Mermaid's definitely more iconic. Yeah. yeah. That. Then again, it's more iconic than the Emperor's New Groove, also, and so is Beauty and the Beast. So. So well, yeah, when, when it came to her, I was. A- at least it was. <laughs> afraid that Mulan was. I, I was afraid that Milan was going to win because she she seems like the kind of person who probably prefers the musicals. Yeah, but I was I was so hoping I was, I was hoping she'd pick Mulan because Mulan is like top three for me. Uh, number but, two to be exact, behind Zootopia. But yeah. now, but now that we're here, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, that was the matchup that sent Emperor's New Groove to the final four, and its first matchup was against. Uh, Disney's magnum opus, Fantasia. Emperor's New Groove wiped the floor with it, 18 votes to 7. I'm sure there are a lot... I love Fantasia as one of my favorites, especially of the classic era, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that it bores the hell out of. (laughs) Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you're fine. Like, PG-13 stuff is fine. (laughs) But um... with Fantasia, that one got so far, and I'm... I'm not sure if it's because people genuinely love it or if it's just because it's a legacy film. Because I rewatched it uh, for this podcast. That's it had been a really long time, and I hadn't actually seen it all the way through because I tr- I tried watching it as a movie, which was my big mistake. <laughs> so I decided to watch it in increments, like as an experience, and I had a much better time with it when I did that. And even though I did, and I was it's like the longest. 
Yes, yeah. it's the long. I think it's the longest animated movie, like and Western Western animated movie. The sequel yeah, isn't the shortest, but it's much shorter than the first one. And it, and it reuses one of the shorts from the first yeah. one. Right. Uh-huh. The shortest was um, either Saludos Amigos or The Three Caballeros, I believe. Yeah. I think I, it was Saludos Amigos. I think it was, I thought it was uh, Dumbo. Saludos Amigos was only 40 minutes. Yeah. I don't even know, see how that qualifies as a feature. And the, the Three Caballeros was a little over an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that long. And people thought Winnie the Pooh was short. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, I, I recently did a stats video where I proved that uh, that Winnie the Pooh movie technically did the worst out of all of these movies in the tournament. Oh, yeah. no, really? Yeah. Which one? Fox the, the one from 2011. Oh, man. It did worse than Chicken Little? Yeah. I mean, Chicken Little went up against the third place movie. Yeah, like my rationale Aladdin. is that... Winnie the Pooh lost to uh, Fox and the Hound in the first round. Fox and the Hound lost in round two to uh, Dumbo. Like Dumbo lost in round three to Cinderella. Cinderella oh, lost God. in round four to Fantasia. And in the final four, Fantasia lost to the Emperor's New Groove. And then Man, lost to Aladdin. Bronze match. Yeah, so basically every step of the way is a loss. And that's why I said it technically did the worst. Or its, uh, loss, that, its loss looks the worst compared that, to others. That makes me really sad because I like that movie. Well, <laughs> so it, do I. It, it, it was the last traditionally animated, fully traditionally animated Walt Disney feature. And, you know, it was definitely because the movie was bad. Not because they released it the same day as the last installment of one of the biggest franchises in history. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of the biggest franchises written by a maniac. Yeah. I, I seem to I seem to remember Princess and the Frog suffering a similar fate. Yes, oh yeah, movie, that, that was against a movie that Disney now owns, and before huh. they owned it, was in the parks. Alvin and the Chipmunks two actually also. Can you imagine being beaten out by Alvin and the Chipmunks two, which also <laughs> is owned by that specific movie, not the not the Alvin and the Chipmunks characters. It's also owned by Disney now. Yeah. Good goodness gracious, they own so much. The sad thing too about Winnie the Pooh is um this is like one of the first Disney films in a while where Bernie Mattinson, like the longest running Disney employee, got more involved again. Like this guy who started working back since Lady and the Tramp. Like search of Bernie really, oh, wow. Disney really is one step away from becoming Omnicore. <laughs> oh, really by that. and large. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that Oh, the, yeah, from Pixar. Well, I really wanted that Winnie the Pooh movie, like the blend of what modern, well, not mo by the. I feel like at a point in the '90s, animation had become timeless, and it didn't really progress much from there a whole lot in terms of quality. It stayed in its own. Um, they wanted a hybrid of that and the older, sketchier look. Right, I see. Like, I like, like animation. Like even Toy Story holds up, like the first CG kind of, film. The stylization is different, but like the film quality, eventually they stopped using film, but the quality of the footage um, has remained the same. And CGI ages, I feel, a lot quicker than traditional animation does. I think the first Toy Story, though, does still hold up from a writing standpoint. Right. Like it, oh, no. and, it helps, yeah. and it helps that they focus all the main characters specifically on toys, so they're supposed to look plasticky. Right. Yeah. yeah. But whenever you see, like, a dog or something, it looks 
it's terrifying when they like have a dog on screen. <laughs> yes. To be fair, to be fair, the dog is like one of the villains. So yeah. Uh, now the most ter- yeah, like- the most terrifying imagery is uh, Sid's uh, malformed mouth through the magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like where, take a sc- where are you you rebel now? now. <laughs> just take a screenshot of comparing the dog from Toy Story to the cat from Toy Story Four. Yeah. Oh yeah, like I know dragon. that Toy Story Four gets a lot of um, flack. I liked Toy Story Four. <laughs> it, it, it was it's, fine. It's, it's the worst in the franchise, but I still think it's good. Yeah, it's different, which I like. Yeah, I, I've said, like I've said in the past, uh, it's easily the worst of the franchise, but it's still better than like seventy percent of all other movies. Yeah, for that, real, that's quality it's for you. Like, I, 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 I say Toy Story Four is like third best personally. Like Toy Story Three. They had wrapped up that trilogy, so they had to do something like just so different. Even though it does have some of the tropes of the other three, there's lots of it feels like a different movie. Yeah, uh, it, it was like, a good de- it was a good decision to make it more of a comedic film as yeah, opposed to like right. trying to up the stakes of the all last of one. The, all of the Toy Story movies have great comedy, but I feel like Toy Story Four is the most leans in the most towards the comedy, and if you haven't been able to tell, I'm a big fan of comedy, so. Yeah, like, of at some points, it even feels like, like, Wreck-It Ralph levels of craziness, like, with the humor. Yeah, no, I, I will admit, as much as... We're talking about another movie, but... As much no. as I think Toy Story 4 was, like, as much as I enjoyed Toy Story 4 a little bit more, 3, I felt, had, like, had the better ending. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 3 was the ending of the original trilogy. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's, um... Bo Peep, a Toy Story story. Uh-huh. Yep. But then we have the grand final of Mouse Madness, the reason we're all here today. Yes. Yep. Uh, Emperor's New Groove versus the Lion King. Now, I wanted to make sure this got as much exposure as possible. First thing I did was say on Twitter, let's see if we can get this to 50 votes. It met that quota within an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter, oh, Twitter's awesome. I think it surpassed 100 votes just through Twitter. Um, pretty close, and uh, I'd also like to once again thank Raccoon Bro for advertising this on his Out of Context Game Grumps channel. Thank you very much. Because that helped really inflate the straw poll vote. He's got Uh, over 7,000 followers, and uh, I would appreciate if you guys uh, follow, by the way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Link in the description (laughs) below. Out of of Context RBVA, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, between the high Twitter count, the high straw poll count, and two votes from people who didn't vote on either, uh, we got a total of 149 votes between these two movies, which surpasses the previous record that was held by Ember's New Groove and Beauty and the Beast by nearly five times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, uh, The Lion King did get a very nice score of 69, but uh, Emperor's New Groove came out with 80, yeah. so it was the grand champion. On the internet, yeah. there are a lot of people, and I don't, I mean, I imagine in the 90s they wouldn't have been wrong, but by now, with Frozen everywhere, they, I'd like, no, this is nothing. Um, a lot of people on the internet think The Lion King is overrated. Um, I the Lion King was the movie that came out the year I was born, so I have a very, I'm very fond of that movie. Um, but that could be another factor in why The Emperor's New Groove um, beat out Lion King. Yeah, I, suppose. I, I will admit I used to be in that boat for a while. That uh, kind of the, like the, the Lion King is overrated boat. 
for a very long time. I, I've since, um, you know, also uh, I John, like I've since jumped off that ship. <laughs> like the line came to me, like I said numerous times, it's my absolute favorite of the Disney films and my favorite animation of all time. As much as I am happy for Ember's new group victory, I'm like I said before, I'm glad the Lion King still put up a fighting chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. The reason that people say it's overrated is because it was a really good, really popular movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas and that's what happens with really good movies when Disney realizes they're really good. And so now, whenever I, I think about uh, people who say that, oh man, Frozen is the first the first like really great Disney film ever since The Lion King. And I'm like, man, Frozen isn't even on the same level as The Lion King. What are you talking like, about? I'm like, police. Frozen <laughs> is... Frozen, well, I mean, I don't want to compare Frozen to other movies because I feel like that would be unfair to both other movies and Frozen. <laughs> yeah. But Fro I like Frozen more than most people probably do, at least on the internet. Um, but I definitely understand why people got and continue to get tired of it. Disney um, wants to hammer that into the ground, and I wouldn't mind as much if they equally paid attention to like other mo movies. Like, I want more Moana stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, bring back the black cauldron, you cowards! Yeah, but uh, Lion King is kind of like the careful what you wish for. After. They'll bring it back in the remake. <laughs> in the sense that every other film afterwards has been compared to it. So the, the black cauldron is the one Disney film I want to see a live action remake of. Do it, yeah. do so it, you cowards! You know, interesting yeah. trivia about um the black no. cauldron actually. Um, despite it being like Disney's like one of Disney's like. Black sheep. Black sheep films. The one of the few people who actually did like the film was the original author of the books. And did you know that the first live action Disney film rated PG and the first animated Disney film rated PG, which is The Black Cauldron, both started with V Black and were both huge flops? Do you know what the first PG rated live action Disney movie? Black Hole, I've seen it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Disney trying to do Star Wars before they actually bought Star Wars. And The Black Cauldron is also Danny and from Game Grumps' favorite Disney film. I they, do not understand that opinion at all. But, they reject uh, more power to him, I guess. Yeah, like he always talks. Like whenever people ask him, like I remember when I was at a like a Q and A for one of their live concerts, and I, my question was, "What are you?" Like uh, I asked uh, Danny and Ninja Brian, like, "What are y'all's favorite uh, animated stuff?" And Dan was like, "My favorite Disney movie is The Black Cauldron, and I can't stand how horribly Disney treats that film. It makes me so depressed." <laughs> You know about the attraction in Japan? It's not there anymore, but um, it was a villain-themed attraction, and the main villain at the end was the Horn King. Aww. Yeah. I think Land talked about it. Rest in peace, John Hurt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, they had Gurgi's Tavern for a while, but that got remodeled, I think, to Pecos Bills. Mm -hmm. Every Disney movie, when it was coming out, especially in the Eisner era, had some sort of tie-in whether it was just characters walking around or something that they eventually got rid of once the movie didn't do as well as they wanted. Right. At least we're getting yeah. the princess and the frog. But sometimes they would bring it back in other parks. Yeah, and they never gamble on TV because the show's usually over by the time it comes out. See Kim it's, Possible and Phineas Yes, I guess because um, the reason Universal did a Simpsons ride is because, which also, another thing Universal has a ride of that Disney now owns um, <laughs> is because the Simpsons will never... This, they'll never stop The Simpsons. Have no fear; they have stories for years. Um, yes. Um, but I feel like there are shows that, even though they're over, still I feel like Gravity Falls still has staying power, even though it's over, and people will still be talking about it for years to come. 
Oh, right. yeah. So I don't like, think It's Over is a good reason to not do an attraction. I think it's, of all the shows, It and probably Phineas and Ferb, which is the, their other big popular show, um, probably warrant an attraction the most of their TV shows. Not to mention Alex Hirsch mentioned that he's open to doing new stories with the characters, not necessarily continuing with the show, but like, yeah, I, I, that's why I think like a, a crossover with Rick and Morty would be sick. I now, the creators themselves said they want a crossover with Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls. I'm like, do it. Please. Uh, one thing that a lot of people say, oh, this franchise goes on too long, but I think in moderation, um, franchises going on forever isn't too bad because one franchise that, well, right now, they're sort of, it's sort of um, in a limbo. I mean, they're trying to get it on Disney. But one franchise that has been around forever and has had pitfalls and people still love it and talk about it is The Muppets. And obviously, this Mickey Mouse right. has been around forever. <laughs> right. I, I kind of feel bad for The Muppets. They haven't been anything really good in a couple years. Yeah, no. that, that ABC show flopped. Yeah, yeah I, it, it I did. I heard it got better, but I haven't, but I didn't watch it. I was now their new one. Yeah, the the Muppets. I I watched it. I tried to get into it, but like, it's just like not as fun. Like, it's just kind of too cynical. It's kind of yeah, too dirty. Well, one thing I love about the Muppets, again, this kind of ties back to the subject of the stream is there's no fourth wall in the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. That's an absolute crime. I think the only other thing in the Muppets that didn't use the Force Wall was the Muppets Take Manhattan. I'm like, that's your identity, but guys, that's your identity. You're supposed and to. And that's why it's one of my least favorite Muppet movies. Because when you do... do like an office style show where the thing about is it's an interview show, so there's sort of no fourth wall, but it's kind of like it's not the same as doing just a wacky show where things are going wrong all the time. Right. Yeah. For Muppet Movie, the fourth wall is just strong enough to keep the plot going, but they yeah. still make it funny. Yeah. That's why the, that's why the Animaniacs reboot is so good because it stays true to what made the original so good. That's why anytime they bring back the Emperor's New Groove, this is one thing I I actually love the TV show even though it has a lot of problems. But one thing that I think they really did well keeping consistent throughout the franchise and the video game and the TV show and the movies is the lack of fourth wall. Because that was its whole identity. It's what ma- it's what makes this such a special Disney film, and it's part of of why it won the whole tournament. Because there's no other Disney film like Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove did get milked a little. I mean, it got a sequel. It got a show. It got a shovelware game. So I don't know why it got milked because it didn't do good at the box office. Um, because Disney was milking everything. I mean, the oh, things okay. that they didn't milk. The only reason they didn't milk them was they were canceled most likely by Lasseter before they were finished because they were going to do a Treasure Planet sequel. They were going to do a Chicken Little sequel. Um, so clearly oh they want a sequel to everything. Mm-hmm. And I guess the characters do lend themselves well to the idea of a TV show, even if the TV show's execution wasn't always the best. So it kind of made sense. Look, if getting a sequel to Treasure Planet means we also have to get a sequel to Chicken Little, I'd be fine with that trade-off. And also, didn't they try to give Kuzco a girlfriend? Yeah. I like her. Shush. <laughs> but to be fair, I don't partic- I don't I don't really like Cusco very much. He's a jerk off. These are not supposed to like him. No, I know. That's I make that point. I'm like the thing about Cusco is you're not he's the most I mean, there are other things about the show that are problematic that um because of the time it was made and stuff. 
Um, the 2000s were amazingly not a progressive time. Right. Um, wait, 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 wait. Uh, so you're saying you don't like Cusco in the TV show, but you like him in the movie. Um, right? I like him in the movie. I have mixed feelings about him in the TV show. Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, my like, gosh. Miley, Miley Cyrus was in the show? What I the heck? Want, she was the biggest star in the world. Of course she had to be. I don't want Cusco to die, but... He's an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and Jessica DeKiko voiced uh, the Only girl in right. lead in the show. I don't know. Does Cusco need a girlfriend? He's just kind of too standy. And he has that one scene in the movie where he just dumps them all. <laughs> Let me yeah. guess. You have a nice personality. I feel like, huh, I wonder if this is like the one thing that changed that they think actually changed about him was in the movie, he does. Um, Obviously, she's much older than him, but he does call Pacha's wife um, pretty in the movie later. I'm wondering if yeah. he's if he's he changed more than he's letting on was the idea they were going for. Yeah, and they just didn't. Oh, and it was they had different writers for like every episode, so they couldn't really keep consistency with that. Okay, so the guy who voiced Cusco, his name is J.P. Minot, and he has some or Minot. I don't. Uh, and he's got some very interesting roles. He voiced um, Scrappy Rex from the live-action Scooby-Doo movie, like when Scrappy turned into a monster. Yeah, and also, yeah, and he also voiced uh, Scooby in Scooby-Doo Two when he became like really smart from the potion. And he oh was my in God. the future as two characters. And then he also voiced Randall in Kingdom Hearts Three. This guy has a really strange resume. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you know about the controversy? What's that? About the voyeurism charges. So that's oh. something that we may want to um, get another person to be Cusco. Yeah. <laughs> David Spade. Voyeurism? Um, Peeping he, he Tom. Had, he had oh, no. In his house. I don't know what the full story is with that, but people were staying at his house and found out about it, and he went to jail for a little while because mm. of it. I would imagine the only reason he was in the Kingdom Hearts 3 video game was because he recorded it like years ago and that game just took such a long time to make. I wonder how yeah. a first group would look like in Kingdom Hearts. Hearts. No, it's still not in Kingdom Hearts. The yeah. Emperor's new group. I don't know I don't know if I want that I don't know if I want to see that in Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if they'd be able to do it justice. Oh I just I just looked up uh, JP Minot. Apparently he was also in uh the live action Inspector Gadget. Um, um, that was one of his earliest roles. No, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> oh, Matthew Broderick, you have such a strange career, but I love you anyway. Yeah. I don't think that movie's as bad as people say, but it is kind of weird. Judge it on my own. Because obviously, you know, quality of a movie is largely subjective. So I could talk about why The Emperor's New Groove, there are things about it that definitely you know, they wouldn't and shouldn't do if they made it today. Um, right. Here's the, the thing. I think oh. my opinion when it comes to that is I think the quality of a movie of a movie can be pretty objective, but how much a movie entertains you, I think that's subjective. I think the yeah, objectively is a movie in terms, of story, in terms of story structure and stuff. The Emperor's New Groove, I think it has a flow to it. It has good pacing. Um it's it, as long as it needs to be. All the characters serve the plot. Like, there's if you take out any of those characters, the plot would fall apart. There's like, not even, 
but that's wasted. It's just joke after exactly. joke. Fire. Like even the old man, like who was in a one-off gag at the very beginning, if he would, he, he is essential to that movie because he represents how Cusco's arc is complete when he apologizes to him at the yeah, very end. Right. Uh, sorry, I was such a big jerk throwing you out the window. Three with him, they have the planting with the throwing out the window, the buildup where he says, "Beware the groom," <laughs> and the payoff where he apologizes. <laughs> Yeah, like he that was the voice of Pidlet who did yeah, John Fiedler on his last roles. You know, after unfortunately John Fedler had passed away, they got the person who replaced him to do him in his one of one or two appearances in a TV show. Really? Twelve Angry Men and he still has the same voice even though it's twelve angry men. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, I saw a clip of him oh. in one episode of Star Trek. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I saw that clip too. He was saying Die, die, everybody die. I'm like, Piglet is telling everybody to die. Yeah. My, everything. my God, Piglet. Has the 100, like, acre, has the 100 yeah. acre Wood really been that traumatizing to you? I, yeah, like, I, watched, um, I watched all the Star Treks with my mom and we were clip. both taken aback. We were surprised. No. I just, by the way, I just found out that 12 Angry Men is free on YouTube, so I'm going to watch that later. Okay, from Star Trek where he says die, die, die is like on YouTube. Yeah, I that might have to find bad. it and animate Piglet saying that. Do it. Oh, yeah. do it. Do it. Thank, it. Style, yeah. but Thanks you YouTube. For, thank you YouTube for making this film free to watch. <laughs> that's pretty good. Another um, great movie that's free to watch. Um, this is just random out of nowhere. Uh, other than the fact that it's a silly comedy, I guess. Um, and Disney owns it now because Twentieth Century Fox is Freaked, which I believe is on YouTube. Probably not legally, oh. but it is on YouTube hmm. with Alex Winter. I think um, Parasite's on there now, too. Fame. Yeah, but I'm freaked. I'll look that up. But anyway, why we're all here, Micah, you provide your analysis. How did the Emperor's New Groove pull off the impossible? Um, the internet. And also, um, um, when the movie came out, um, even though I didn't, I liked it okay, but I didn't become a fan until much later. In fact, the TV show helped get me back into the movie. So that's a big reason why I'm a fan of the TV show. Um, uh... A lot of the people who saw it, who like it now, either were kids when it came out and grew up with it, um, or were teenagers in high school, or were college kids. I got it. Or on the internet. I remember I rented it once when I was six, liked it fine, and then I, was I kind six of when it, I was six when it came out. Yeah, I kind of grew into it when it, when it, got it came out twenty years ago, and I'm twenty six, so. <laughs> I'm t I'm one year younger, so I waited for the video, then I rented it. I never like saw it in the theaters. That's something that, that may surprise people. I believe it because I heard your first episode and Disney went with 102 Dalmatians. They did. Um, thank you for listening to that. You should listen to all my episodes if you want. I mean, I'm not going to force you to. Uh, um, a hundred, wait, what about 102? Like, listen what to about all 100? my episodes and I'll burn your house to the ground. <laughs> um, they marketed that more than Emperor's New Groove, and as because they thought it would be the bigger draw. Oh, 102 Dalmatians, gotcha. And the other reason was my parents did not. Well, they still don't particularly like him. I think they like this movie okay, and it, it grows on people who don't like it at first. Not everyone, but some people who just think it's okay at first. But after multiple viewings over an extended period of time, don't force them to watch it over and over again in a row. Um, it grows on people. 
um, I think. It's, yeah, it has it's, all it's, it's cut. There's so many little jokes uh, that you're taking. But my like, parents are, do not like David Spade, so they did not want to take me to the theater to see it. They said, "No, we're gonna wait till it comes on video and rent it from, I guess, Blockbuster." Because that was. Oh. Yeah, I found my mom, and she didn't detect Eartha Kid as Yzma. That's how good oh, she was. Blockbuster, oh, that, a relic from an ancient big. time. Yeah, like, I remember, <laughs> I think I saw... is Eartha Kid. <laughs> and Eartha Kid is Yzma, even though for, not for the TV show, but for obscure theme park, a couple of obscure theme park things, they got someone to replace her, and they do an okay job. People think of Yzma, they think of Eartha Kid. She won an Emmy for that role. That's yes, she won two daytime Emmys for the for the TV show, and, so not, and not the movie. Yeah, um, the so she at least the, the, the Emmys are a TV um, oh, award okay. show. Oh, okay. I think yeah, the and they, but they do something Oscars do not honor voiceover work. If they did, um, well, if they did and it was fair, everyone in this movie would have won an award. <laughs> to me, one of the biggest sins at the Oscars is not honoring June Foray before her passing. Or Mel Blanc. To or me, Mel one of the Blank. biggest sins of, of the Oscars is, for one thing, they don't see all the movies that they're supposed to be voting They for. openly and blatantly admitted that. Yeah, yes, it's pretty disgusting. Animation, like, they're like, oh, animation is just for kids. And it's like, no. <laughs> Like, even Disney, who markets, largely markets their stuff to kids, the point of Disney from the get-go was that it was for everyone. Walt Disney himself said so. He said, I don't make movies for kids. I make them for the kid and all of us. Yeah, as kids, much are, with the words out of my kids, kids are just grown-ups anyway. Kids as are just, as... Adults are just kids grown up. I butchered that quote. This movie of- has one of the dirtiest... Emperor's New Groove is one of the dirtiest jokes in any Disney movie. No dirtiest Disney movie that's not like, you know, an R-rated movie owned by Touchstone, though it was owned by Touchstone, but it's under the Disney label now, but it's always been owned by Disney. Um, Roger Rabbit. I see people talk about other Roger Rabbit knockoffs that are, you know, dirtier and saying, oh, it's like the raunchy Roger Rabbit. It's like, Roger Rabbit was plenty raunchy already. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just look at Jessica Rabbit. I I can't stop looking at her, man. Yeah. yeah, but Crunk pitching a tent, that has to be one of the naughtiest jokes I've seen. Yeah, in I think in the joke is, like, obviously it, there are adults at Disney, so it could be a double a double entendre. But also, um, Yzma gets this huge, elaborate tent, and Kronk gets this tiny little waist thing at his waist. So it's like it works on um, multiple levels. It works If you have a dirty mind, it works one way. And if you just think, oh, it's funny because she has the big tent all to herself, and he just gets this diggy little thing that he doesn't even fit in. I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually an accident and they didn't intend for it to be dirty and it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. I'm, I'm legitimately just now making that connection. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. A lot of the humor in the Ambrose the Groove, even though it does have some adult humor, a lot of the humor is humor that works for, like, everybody. And I and one joke I noticed on Twitter is when Yzma pushed the potion away in the cactus, eventually the cactus takes the shape yeah, of the llama. Right. I don't know. I think I learned about that on the internet before I actually caught that. Yeah, so that's like a little bit of foreshadowing. There's so <laughs> many things. The foreshadowing, and sometimes I like it always amuses me when they foreshadow things that you already know are going to happen because they revealed it in the trailer. And of course, when they're making the movie, they don't know what the trailer is going to be like, so that's not their fault. But right, it, it might... I took a course on how to make trailers, just the trailer, and I learned how different it is from total movie making. When uh, we, earlier work. we were talking about how this film 
does a really good job with subversion when it comes to comedy. And yeah. one, one of my favorite subversion jokes is uh, when Yzma, uh, like, has uh, Cusco and Pacha, like, backed into a corner, and she's, like, pulling up her skirt, and they're like, no, no! But she, like, shows a knife, and they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. So it's like... <laughs> no. <laughs> they would prefer the like much more like life threatening thing over like her showing her skirt, <laughs> pulling up her skirt. Ah, no, no. Oh, and he was really old, so that would have been gross. <laughs> yes, that's the joke. There's some things that I could understand. Some people like, oh, that it's not funny because it's like the joke is just, oh, she's old. And I was like, that's fine if if, if you don't think it's funny because it's just that one joke, but. The performances of the actor, voice actors, and especially Eartha Kitt. I mean, obviously, she won awards and everything for the character. She, the highlight Wait. for everyone agrees that Isma um, in the whole, the whole Emperor's New Groove thing. Um, everybody agrees that overall, in everything, um, she's the thing that everybody agrees is always great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've always said that. Uh, really, the true MVPs of this film are the casting directors, like the people who decided on all the voices, because yeah, I mean, they, they did such a good job right? finding people yeah. to um, bring Ray all of these characters to life. He wrote the script, but it was also largely board-driven, so it was sort of like a hybrid, I believe. I talked to one of the storyboard artists. About Imagine it. my surprise when I heard Ida the Owl Lady come out of Pacha's uh, life. Uh, yes. Yes. yes, Wendy Malley. See, here's a th- yeah, yeah, see, here's a Here's the thing oh, about that, because I had watched mm-hmm. the Emperor's New Group plenty of times, but the, I, you know, I didn't pay too much attention to her voice. But after I had, you know, f- finished the Owl House and I watched the Emperor's New Group again, I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's Ida!" <laughs> yeah. yeah, her voice is and, so distinct. I love it. And, I love her voice so much, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's like a slightly older version of Susan Egan. She is, and some people have confused the two. Apparently. I've seen people on Twitter confuse the two. Interesting. Yeah. So I remember I was I was kind of in love with her voice as a kid. They're both really um really good at sarcasm, yeah. which improves the whole frame. That's another thing that the whole franchise kind of runs on. Not just obviously from Cusco because David Spade, but all the characters have snark and wit um throughout the whole thing. Kronk um. There's some scenes in the movie where I can't legitimately can't tell if he's an, being an idiot or if he's just being sarcastic. <laughs> and it could be either way. It would work for the character either way. It would be in character. So yeah, and like, they, oh, they how, how do you do this to me? I practically raise him. Yeah, I think it would turn out better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's up to interpretation, really. Bonk is this, one of those characters where he's kind of dumb, but he also has. Um, he has an intelligence to him. It's just not a conventional intelligence. Mm-hmm. He's what we would call a savant. Because he's like he's not uh, the sharpest tool in the shed, but he's also like a master cook. Yeah, yeah. he's a master and he gets and he, and and he got and super offended by like her not. People, lots of people say Cusco is the best Disney princess, but if you're gonna make an Ember's the Groove character, compare them to a Disney princess. Kronk, I think, has the most comparisons because he. He's a he cooks and cleans. He, um, talks, to animals. he talks to animals. So that is true. You know. Yeah, and I will. Villain's henchman, the the villain sidekick in this movie is the character who's the friend to all living things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though this film uh, has 
uh, celebrities, you know, voicing the main characters. And they do all work well for their, you know, respective... Like, it's a good casting. Uh, I will say there are a lot of voice actors in this film that get their own standout moments. Like, there's the Jess Harnell voices a guard who throws uh, the old man out. It's like, sorry, sorry, but you brought up... And sorry, Roger... And Ro- yeah. And Roger Bumpass voiced the guard. He was like, um, I got turned into a cow, so could I go home? <laughs> that's the voice that's the voice of Squidward, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he he also voiced an elephant in uh, Tarzan. But doing yeah. the voice of uh Doctor Doctor. And he's also he's right they're native to South America. And he's also are the he's only all- thing I think I really like about Tarzan. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's also the scientist father from uh, Invader Zim. Oh, really? They don't have a problem with the sound. You know, at the bar it. in Bugs Life. Oh, yeah. Bobby Mary, all positive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, once I heard that, I couldn't unhear it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the reason that even though it generally does have some hilarious moments, and I am will always be a fan of it, uh, like the sequel and the TV show don't work as well is because they don't have the thing where everything falls in the, it, you know, it's all coming together. Everything falls into place. The voice acting, the story, the, everything worked. And it worked and they did it in a year and a half because they were running off from a different movie that it was going to be. And yeah. that's just amazing. It's a I mean, miracle. come on, you got Tom, you got Tom Jones as your theme song guy. How? What's Did not to love about the film? The only implication this movie gives is that the character he, who sings is a slave in the palace. So, who's going just has a mini Tom Jones to provide him his end? <laughs> yes, Tom Jones, the the famous performer of everyone's favorite song, "What's New Pussycat," which is okay because I don't want too many pop culture references. But sometimes I think. It'd be kind of funny if you started singing that. <laughs> wow, well, let's do Pussycat. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's not unusual would be more fitting. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I you know, seen... you know what happens at the end of the movie. <laughs> I haven't seen Crunk's New Groove, the sequel. How's that one? Um, it's very, divi- it, what's it called when something, people are very split about their, no, yeah, divisive or something. People aren't Mixed like and... fighting each other over it, but some people think, and this baffles me because, you know, Hunchback 2 exists. Um, yeah. Some people think it's one of the worst sequels ever. Um, I say it's on the, it's not probably not, objectively not as good as, like, miraculously, even though it does have problems, The Lion King 1 and a Half is a really good movie, especially the animation in it for a Disney sequel. Um, yeah. And The Lion King 2, it has problems. But all of them have problems. The Emperor's New Groove even has problems. That's just how things made by humans work. Um, yeah. Uh, Kronk's New Groove is one of the less bad ones, and it has some, I think it has some genuinely funny moments, um, but it definitely does not, it's not as iconic or everything. I can't memorize all of Kronk's New Groove like it can memorize the entire script of the Emperor's New Groove, and no, I'm not. Emperor's New Groove is just infinitely quotable. That's one of its great qualities is that it has so many great lines. And I think a lot of that is to da- uh, attributed to David Reynolds, the screenwriter, punched up it's, a bunch of stuff. It's the SpongeBob effect. Like you don't think too much about it on your first viewing, but then you watch it again and you realize you catch up on all these like little things you missed and all these jokes. And that's why it. Sorry, that's why compare this this movie and call it an extended episode of Freakazoid Um, or Animaniacs or yeah, people. So yeah, any anything Steven Spielberg has uh, been a part of, basically. 
I feel like Freakazoid needs more attention. You yeah, don't. Freakazoid, yeah. they're getting a crossover with Teen Titans Go, so. I saw it, actually. It's actually pretty good. Um, I like the Teen Titans Go movie. Um, Teen Titans yeah. Go got better. Yeah. Uh, and, and finally, we've got the one from the Batman and Robin films. Uh, Blows it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I was going to say was, you don't think about it is a great way to sum up the entire franchise. <laughs> Because yeah. the entire thing runs on not thinking too much about things. Why, are, why is this the Incan Empire and yet they have references to the fly and the and this other modern stuff? Well, apparently, according to and there's there could be conflicting stories here, but I came up with explanation. I came up with theories that tie all the continuity, not all the continuity areas, because I want to leave some of them for comedic effect, but tie some of the stuff between the TV show and the movies together. Um, According to the screenwriter, when asked about the fly, he said, "Oh, that's Cusco's dad." Oh, so uh, explain. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the show. Could you please explain? Oh, in the movie, in the movie, the fly in the movie, the writer they of the movie said, "They say help me." And and in the, the TV fl- show, all they say about his dad is that he was lost at sea. So my theory is his dad went on was going to go on a trip, but before he went on the trip, Isma hosted dinner party and turned him into a fly and he flew away into the jungle and unlike a real flies potion human to f- flies live a lot live as long as a human does so that's Wait. why 18 later he or 17 or 16 how, however old Cusco was like two or something when his dad 18 oh wait so there there was a his dad was turned into a fly yeah according to the well i think on the writer just made this up on the spot and said it's canon now is that they yeah, can do that it's like how it's like how Freddie Benson and Icarly his father is Barry Benson. Uh, what? I, 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 for, that was I a forgot. That was the writers too. I forgot that there was a fly in the Empress New Groove. Yeah, it's the yeah. help me, help me, the the fly. Oh, oh the fly that the spider eats. Yeah, it's from the 1956 horror film The Fly. Mom said the oh. joke was thrown in there for all the parents in the audience. Oh. That's, that's, the pop culture a lot of people also say oh Emperor's New Groove is kind of like Dreamer because it makes pop culture references but the pop the, there's like two or three one of them was forced by the executives the Wizard of Oz reference um, oh yeah all of them are references to things that have already stood the test of time not current things yeah it's like old Simpsons old Simpsons limited their newer Simpsons get some modern stuff but old it's Simpsons limited strictly to classics or stuff that was already a comedy to begin with and that's yeah. why people are a bit harder on Ralph Breaks the Internet as opposed to the first Wreck-It Ralph because... Yeah, I, I, but it definitely is not the best. Because <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph only makes references to video games, which have stood the test of time, but Ralph Breaks I, the Internet makes stuff honest, references to the, things that are going to age like Ralph cheese. Ralph Breaks the Internet kind of reminds me in, I guess some could say in a bad way, but it kind of reminds... Well, it had one of the people who created both the original and the sequel... Um, worked on The Simpsons and Futurama. So it has some of the Princess joke. well, especially that one song, the song that Sarah, that Vanellope sings. Basically the whole premise was like an episode of Futurama. Yeah, it feels like they, something about The Simpsons or Futurama, and I just really like seeing that in a Disney movie. <laughs> so yeah. that's one thing I'll say about Ralph Breaks the Internet. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, so... And Alan did it, so... Uh-huh, that's right. So yeah, with the Emperor's New Groove, we think we're 
pretty sure it won the whole thing because of the impact it's had on the internet and how much people have started to like retroactively remember this film and have been using it in memes and stuff. And so now that first came out, so now that flop and Fantasia was a flop. Now they're considered classics. So Uh does does this mean the Black Cauldron will be considered a classic in a few years? Um, it, I have no and idea because I don't know. I mean, it's the Emperor's New Groove is a lot younger than the Black Cauldron, and it's already climbing the ladder, so to speak, to becoming a classic considered by the company themselves. And yeah. then when it happens, Danny Sexfang will be like, and you all laughed at me. You said, wait, Micah, you said Emperor's New Groove's at the parks. How so? Emperor's New Groove in the parks? Yeah, you Emperor's said it was. has been, um, well, when the movie first came out, for one thing, they had walk-around characters like they did for every movie when it came out. Because Chicken Little. Yes, and they had a giant Chicken Little, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, chicken Big, well, I guess. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Flatable Chicken Little. Um, oh. Same director as The Emperor's New Groove. It was not the movie he wanted to make, though. Chicken yeah. Little. Yeah, it was um, corporate mandate, I heard. But anyway, um, what other Emperor's New Groove stuff was at the parks? Um, So there's an attraction... At Magic Kingdom, it's an obscure little attraction called Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. I wasn't being sarcastic. It really is obscure. Um, it's sort of like a card game, but you walk around at different points in the park. And one of the villains you fight is, or I guess two or one and a half, because I don't know how much he qualifies as a villain. Villains you fight are Yzma and Kronk. And the only person who reprises their role, because they can't get David Spade, and because Eartha Kit, unfortunately, is no longer with us, um, is Patrick Warburton, because he'll do anything. Uh, and God bless him for it. Um, <laughs> I saw those videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, That's cool. Um, hang on. I'll go to behind the voice actors if you'll give me a minute or less. And of course, Emperor's New Groove was on House of Mouse, though they included every Disney movie at that point. So. Yeah. Um, I believe Yzma and Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom and a later event I'll talk about in a moment which I will also do an episode about this on the podcast eventually. Um, Leslie Carrera Rudolph, I believe, according to BehindTheVoices.com, voice actors. She does a pretty decent job. Um, There was an event in 2018 called Max Live. um, It was a one-day thing hosted by Max, Max Goof. Um, Yzma and Cusco had a sing-off, and in that Yzma song, Snuff Out the Light, Oh. oh, so that didn't go to waste. Well, it also is on the soundtrack, so. <laughs> I think, did they play it over the credits? <laughs> no, they don't, because it doesn't really fit with Yzma's character motivations in the new movie, because she's not, as the whole thing of Kingdom of the Sun is she wants to be beautiful again, and the Emperor's the group, Yzma has, Yzma knows she's beautiful, so. Because sometimes they'll take a song they cut out from the normal movie and put it over the credits. Yeah, they overcompensated by giving her a song in the sequel and a couple of songs in the TV show. Imagine if they did that with, that with. Uh, imagine if they did that with Aladdin. <laughs> right. Um. And what else was I going to say? Oh, so that happened before a little while before that in 2013. Oh, the Max oh, Live event. Live event. event. Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got disconnect, Yoda. Yoda. Oh sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Let me do that. 
Is, is everything okay? Sometimes he echoes. He just needs to disconnect and reconnect. Sorry about that. No, you're good. Max lied with the Disneyland Paris, I should mention. And a few years before that, in 2013, they brought back Kronk, Cusco, and Yzma. But for originally, they just had Llama Cusco. But in 2013, when they brought them back to Paris, um, they got a human Cusco and a Llama Cusco. Oh, that's cool. You don't normally get to meet, like, a human and beast beast, but I, I know most people wouldn't want to meet the human version of the beast anyways, but... Yeah. But they'd have to be really separate and really spaced out, like Mickey's never in, like, the same place at yeah, once. I heard one story during the stream I was talking about earlier, not on the podcast, but before we set things up, where from a cast member that when two of the actors, not not necessarily two different forms, but, like, when there's two, like, t- two Tiggers, they'll say, Genie, stop pretending to be Tigger. Uh, you know, really? They have everything thought out there. Um, oh, that's cool. This is just the genie in disguise. I like that idea. Uh-huh. And, you know, if you see two genies, the explanation is, well, he duplicated himself. Even though he says he can never be duplicated, he duplicates himself in the movie. Friend like me. He, wait, yeah, wait. I, uh, sorry, sorry uh, that's for what? Uh, the tigger, they're saying genies what have been tigger. Like, what, what is what is what's that? What's that from? Character. Um, in the Disney parks, when two characters accidentally end up in the same place, and two people are supposed to be the same character. Oh, that's funny. Genie, stop pretending to be that character. That's funny. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. That's very um, creative. That's very creative. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say. Next. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, it's okay. Um, I guess we should talk more about the Embers and Groove. Um. And at the Disney, do you remember, um, mostly in between, but also when it was actually in Florida, an animation studio, they had a thing, that an attraction. Um, and at, not just Robin Williams thing, but after the studio closed down, they kept some of the interactive stuff. One of the interactive things was an ink and paint station where you color um, characters digitally, and it was hosted by Kronk. Oh. Also, you know, it doesn't really count, but hello. Welcome to Soren. My name is Patrick, and I'll be your chief flight attendant today. <laughs> yeah. He's also on Star Tours, so he's all over and that part. He's in the Star Wars universe now. Yay. Yeah, well, huh? Well, like, um, I was thinking back to the Emperor's, like, new school. The strange yeah. thing about the voice acting on that show, for the first, like, season, I think, Pacha was voiced by, uh, I, Fred. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Fred, Fred Tadashore, but the screen something. I think yeah. it's Tadashore. Uh, Tadashore. Tadashore, yeah. But the thing yeah. is, while he voiced him like in the first season, in later seasons he would be voiced by John Goodman yeah, again. Seasons, and there were fifty-two episodes, and they did have uh, proper finales. The show ended, and it didn't get canceled. It ended, um, and yeah, John Goodman came back for the second season. It's so strange because usually it's a, it's usually the other way around. First they get the celebrity, and then he can't be on the show anymore. Then they get a replacement. So here they got a replacement, and then they got the original back. I feel like that's that's um, really interesting. The show, show's never objectively as good as the movie, but I feel like the second season is better than the first season in terms of they try to do more with the characters than just hey, remember this joke from the movie? Oh <laughs> yeah, which is what uh, they did throughout the first season. Um, so, uh, I just found out some very cursed information. Patrick Warburton 
uh, he, and next year he's going to be in a baby shark show. Oh boy! <laughs> oh my goodness! And the that show also has a lot of like really talented voice actors on it, like Kimiko Glenn and Eric Edelstein. Well, <laughs> baseball reference. The show. I mean, they're gonna get the best people they can get. And, wow! Oh, like we got Grizz from We Bear Bears and freaking uh, Bri- Bridget from Close Enough. Was, uh, well, was um, Lena in, du- in the Ducktales reboot and um, Penny Parker? Yeah, that's her name, Penny Parker in Into the Spider Verse, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah, they're all gonna be in that show. <laughs> I I didn't even know that show was a thing until five minutes ago. Um, were you just looking at Patrick Warburton on IMDb? Uh, BTVA. Ah. Yeah, yeah and I know that this out the podcast that Patrick Warburton has tendency to be typecast as characters with very pronounced chins. <laughs> yeah, he's typecast as those in characters, big tough characters or big dumb character combinations. Because you know. But- but Brock no, he's gonna be—he's gonna be—he's uh, gonna be Grandpa in that show. Grandpa Shark. Grandpa anyway, Shark. Anyway, you know, live action. Yeah, I, rem- I remember. A, I remember a Family Guy making a. Remember Family Guy making a brief joke about uh, Joe's chin, like uh, yeah. uh, Peter, Joe, you gotta do anything for ten bucks. I have a request. Pe- Yay, have a Joe's pedant- chin. I have a sorry. I have a pedantic shark fact for you that has nothing to do with the Amber's new cruise. Sorry. Bring it on. Go ahead. Well, you made it. You brought it all together. Um, yeah, it's all coming together. Bring it on. Um, so the whole premise of Baby Shark is they do the Baby Shark and then they do the whole Shark's family. Um, sharks abandon their young. Sharks are, oh. yeah, sharks are solid. I mean, you know, the whole bit in Finding Nemo where he's like, I never knew my no, father. No, no. Also written by David Reynolds, by the way, <laughs> along with Andrew Stanton. Dang. But even though Croc, Croc is great, uh, Brock Sanson is still my favorite Patrick Warburton role. Uh, I like Patrick. My favorite Patrick Warburton role is any of them. <laughs> yeah, he also yeah. snick it in live action. Yeah, he's saying man. What 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 was crazy about Patrick is he never broke character. He could come up in a clown suit or he could just be doing or these crazy diving suit. Yeah, he just when still to... have that same voice. He never he never snicked or laughed. And can I talk about Yzma and Kronk for a minute and one thing I love about them? Yes. Sure. Go ahead. One thing I love about Yzma and Kronk is they are both each other's straight men. Straight man. That's true. That is awesome. They alternate right. between being the chaotic and crazy character or silly and wacky character and being the straight man to the other silly and wacky character. And mm-hmm. that is amazing. It's that they're such a interesting duo that I don't I don't understand how anyone could have possibly come up with such a pairing as Patrick uh, Warburton and Ortha Kit because it it just it works Patrick I don't Warburton know people on the movie it was originally gonna be it was invented mm-hmm. specifically for Groove so that, we I just I mean you would sacrifice a, you would get snuff out the light but you wouldn't have Kronk. <laughs> I, I I do hope at some point we get a movie version of what Emperor's New Groove was supposed to be because I think I do think that that would be an I'm interesting. Uh, they didn't repurpose like try to retrofit any of those plot lines, except I guess the love interest to be um, more silly to fit within a sequel or anything because they could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they just the idea of 
Yzma just decides but, one day, oh, well, I'll get rid of Cusco by blocking out the sun. You know, doesn't make sense. Who cares? It's Yzma. Um, <laughs> also, setting is unique, having it be in the Incan Empire during the time that Europe would call the Middle Ages. Can't think of too many movies with this sort of setting. Man, just, yeah. just think. What Owen is- Wilson, he could have been remembered for a Disney movie, but instead he's remembered for Cars. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The first oh, person, no, all right, but uh, not. I remember Cusco is named after the historic capital of the Inca. That is oh, yeah. correct. Um, I am not a, an expert, but I did. The movie did inspire me to do a lot of deep diving and research into the culture and what is accurate and what isn't. And there, there's a striking balance between, you know, blatant inaccuracies for the purpose of comedy or just because they decide, you know, we're doing a comedy, we shouldn't really care too much about accuracy and stuff that they actually pulled. From research trips and stuff, like the st- steep staircases, stairs, and the canals yeah. and stuff, that's all real. Or based yeah. on real stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they really did have food trading posts. Oh yeah, they had lots. They had roads. They did. They didn't have wheels, but they had roads that you could walk. That you would walk on with your llama and walk the llama. Yeah, llama. Travelers, they would have a little mini restaurant outpost. It wouldn't be like the one you saw in the movie, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Bob's big boy, but <laughs> except the Inca version. Um, yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. They'd have food places though. Yeah. That, yeah. that diner and scene you, might be one of my favorite you, scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. The cause they just, <laughs> I can't yeah. really pick a favorite scene cause the whole movie is just so perfect to me, but the restaurant scene, if you want to teach people, like give an example of great comedic timing. The restaurant scene is the perfect. Yeah. Like I think what sells what sells it for me is the moment where, where you know, Kronk inadvertently makes the chef quit, and just on a whim he takes over his duties. Like, yeah, yeah, like three orcas wearing pants, plate of hot air, basket of grandma's breakfast, and James Bolden the gill. Got it. Seems, at first, it seems completely random, but then you go, no way, Kronk is a cook. He his whole life has been. A, from what we've seen of it, anyways, um, it has been built around his cooking abilities, so it makes perfect sense that he would take over as the cook. I think my favorite part of late on the of the restaurant scene is when um they trick Yzma and the thing that's her birthday. And everyone starts singing. Kron comes out just saying, <laughs> "It's your birthday." Way he says that. With a sombrero and the people singing, I send that to all the people, all my mutuals on Twitter, on my not on my podcast account, but on my Micah Hirsch account at Micah Hirsch. Um, I send gift the gift of that to them whenever it's their birthday. Likewise, I actually send a lot of my friends like like a video of the the Embers of Groove of that whole scene on their birthday. It's like it's like my tradition. Oh, like my I uh, I think my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, it has to be the bridge scene. They climb up. Yeah, because the- it's a it's the catalyst. Yeah, for Cusco's uh, character development. You know, and, it, it, they call back to it um, uh, they, uh, during the climax, right? And uh, there- there's a lot of great. Like, there's some things in this that isn't a gag. That's just an important story point. But there's um. One gag that they kept reusing in the show that I will defend because it was already a running gag in the movie is sorry to divert from that scene. I'll get back to it in a minute. The lever gag. They always change oh. it you know, to be different. And one time they pull it and nothing happens and they take the stairs in the TV show. Pull the lever, crunk. They look around, take the stairs. Uh, sure, why not? 
<laughs> okay, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. There's moments in that show that were really funny. So I will defend it, even though it does have problems. I won't deny it has problems, but I say it's something that I'm glad exists. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Uh, a lot of animated films, you know, they'll have uh, the the second act breakup. That's uh, super common. I yeah. appreciate I, I appreciate the way this film handled that because it, it's when it happened, break up really in this one, right? Because uh, it felt it didn't feel like it dragged on for too long, and it also explains why uh, Cusco was and at his lowest point at the very Cusco beginning. Always be um, a snarky, selfish brat. He's just has the narration is just great. It's like one of the best narration. Yeah, what I was saying before about the about the climbing the thing, the thing with the bats, and imagine that in 4D. Um, no. Oh, because they all they all went into his mouth. Yeah, but first they fly around and you you know they blast air on your head or something. Ah. Um, uh, um, and you you feel the experience of falling into a pit because someone pulled the wrong lever. Yep. And going over the there's so much. So they've they've done some things in the theme parks, but there's so much more they could do with this in the theme parks that they haven't done. And maybe in 2040 they'll get an Emperor's New Groove dedicated attraction entirely to it of some kind. Yeah, it took years for Pinocchio to get a ride in Disneyland. So, right. and I'm pretty sure by 2040 uh, things will be back to normal. I yeah, well, God, let's hope. More, I mean, things are never going to be back to normal, but they'll be hopefully closer to normal. I, 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 like we don't have to nor, normal normalcy for me will be not having to wear a mask to the grocery store. Yeah, I'm. I'm like you know, I'll deal with it because I don't want to be a jerk and give other people diseases if I happen to have one. But it's not the best experience in the world. Right. Yeah. Nope. And I'm not going that, back that, to the parks until it's safe. Um, yeah, I, I highly. I know that Disney wants to make money, but. Uh, they probably should not have opened up their park so soon. They should not have. Um, they should have figured out a backup plan. They should have done stream. Uh, well, they have streaming. They should have done something special for the people who missed the parks on Disney Plus. They already have a bunch of park content. They should do something specific, like if you miss the parks, watch this stuff, a collection, if you will. <laughs> if you if you miss the parks, pay for uh, forty dollars for, for Mulan instead of thir- just thirty. Why would you want to watch the Mulan remake if you miss the part? <laughs> no, but because they want to the make experience. more money. You're missing the experience yeah, they, of overpaying they for shit. They more money, and then they realized, hey, this doesn't work. So they stopped. <laughs> yeah, so they're not going to do that for Soul. And WB <laughs> followed suit. Well, I, would, I, would pay, I would pay, I'm the only person on Earth who would do it, but I would pay $30 for brand new Emperor's New Groove content if it wasn't a live-action remake on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> if it was animated... <laughs> You know what? If they did a live-action remake of Empress New Groove, I would be morbidly curious to see what the heck that would actually <laughs> say to. Because I have to. I mean, they'd have to get Patrick Warburton to reprise. Cronky. That's the thing with the casting. If they do a remake, I can't imagine anyone besides Patrick Warburton as Cronky, even though he's much older than Cronk is supposed to be. Um, but everyone else, even though the cast and David Spade or the kid, they're all perfect for the roles. I would want if they did a live action remake. I would want them to cast authentic um, Peruvian actors. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I don't think they would be able to get Patrick Warburton because people would complain about him being white. I mean, they yeah. would be wrong. He is white. 
Don't but, worry, yeah. they already got they already solved that one in the Atlanta remake. Because well, because Croc is white people. They they have a bunch of white people that they painted in the Aladdin remake in the background. Oh God! Oh sweet oh, Jesus! And then and then they took one stand, one character who um was uh, just a one off character um who was who was you know everyone in Aladdin was of of color um they made him white and then now they're giving him his own Disney Plus spinoff or something. Aladdin Tudyk's character. Um, no, I, I don't know. This was a, a much younger actor, I believe. I think Alan Tudyk was Mago. He just did squawks, though. He didn't talk, as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole point. Because that's how you improve a character by removing their character. Also, one thing I forgot to point out in the recap that I was going to say: Emperor's New Groove beat three of the four one seeds. <laughs> that's true. That's right. So, like, for the Aladdin remake. Why can't they just get Gilbert Goffrey back to do the squats or Yago? He would have been fine. coming back to do poo. Like, too. That just shows how powerful the groove was. One of the things that was established on Aladdin. Without Aladdin. And one of the things that Yago did in Aladdin is that he pretended to be a real parrot and he did the squats fine. So you could have just did it here. He voices Affleck. He knows how to do bird squawks. I think, I think uh, they replaced him, but he did voice Affleck at one point. Yeah, that's true. I think Godfrey got canceled, though. He, he, yeah, he got fired because he made jokes about the earthquakes of Japan. <laughs> like oh. the week after. Um, that's not the worst thing you could... I mean, that. Um, that's not the worst thing you could do in the world, but, you know, you sh- if you do something like that and people get upset, the best way to handle it is to apologize. <laughs> Well, I think he's doing well. Gilbert Gottfried's doing fine now. He's just, I, don't, I just don't think he's voicing out black anymore. As a doing voice, there's a scene in the, in, in the musical episode where Yzma wants to give a Joey Lawrence voice character an annoying voice. So she tests potion and Kronk tests one. He says, Let me try it. And he's like, You're testing one, two, three. He's like, How horribly annoying. That- really? Gilbert Gottfried was on that show? Yeah. Which show? Real quick, one line. What show is that? Emperor's New School. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people in Emperor's New School. John O'Hurley, Ben Stein. Um, obviously, probably not that surprising. Yeah, God, Godfrey's Lawrence. just typecast as and the annoying voice again. Going I, back to Family Guy, he was the voice of what Brian hears when he hears a dog whistle. And yeah. I find it, That's like even though he's got an. Even though he's got an annoying voice, like I love his voice for some reason. I can't explain why. Yeah, it's distinct and iconic. I'll say that. Obviously, it's not as screechy, and it's mostly because the Emperor's New Groove just made me think of Cusco. But I feel the same way about David Spade. Even though he's, I don't think he's as annoying as Gilbert Gottfried in terms of, you know, Gilbert Gottfried's much louder. Um, David Spade isn't shrieking all the time. He's more whiny. Um, but yeah. I, I, whenever I hear David Spade, I think of Cusco, and I can't not like him anymore. Yeah, I, I would. You guys, do you guys, uh, do you guys have you guys ever heard of the show Historical Roasts? No, I have. It, it was, um, it was a special on Netflix, and basically, it what the premise was, um, a bunch of people dressed up as historical figures, and they did roasts of people, and oh, one of the episodes oh, was. One of the episodes was the roast of Anne Frank, and Gilbert Gottfried played Adolf Hitler. Oh god! <laughs> and he, and he oh just my. and he just um, used like his normal voice playing Hitler. And then, <laughs> when, and then and then when Anne Frank got up, he was like, 
Hey, Hitler, guess what? You think you're so great, but we got a Jew to play you, and it was the most annoying Jew we could find. <laughs> Did you um see the movie that is admittedly a guilty pleasure, the Seth MacFarlane movie, A Million Ways to Die in the West? I have. Um, Who is that movie? As Abraham Lincoln, or or probably someone pretending to be Abraham Lincoln. Is oh. And he's uh, doing a whole speech about how he feels great and stuff. Interesting. Oh, yeah, that 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 film has a lot of things that, uh, like, it, when you watch it again, you're like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this was in the movie and I forgot about it." Like a Back to the Future reference for no reason, just there for the sake of it. That's because Seth MacFarlane is a fan of Back to the Future. And also, Django <laughs> appears at the very end for no reason. I mean, everything Seth MacFarlane does is, to some extent, no matter the quality, fan service for himself and his yeah. Life. <laughs> And there is, um, you know, the quality varies, especially depending how long the thing has been going on. It's very hit or miss, and I, I could respect that, because when he's funny, he's really damn funny. Yeah. yeah I, I haven't, I haven't, um, don't, I think, I don't think I saw the later episodes, but I saw some of Orville, and I, even though it's clearly he's trying to do Star Trek, I at least appreciate that he's not just trying to do Family Guy again. <laughs> Yeah, it's it seems like he's trying to do his own thing, and I appreciate that. And Fox yeah. doesn't want him to. <laughs> and he is a, a legitimately talented person. A very yeah. talented person. Um, I'm sure that he's problematic in some way. I mean, well, he's obviously. Um, Who but he does, problematic people I, can't have talent. Um, I think just the main issue with things like A Million Ways to Die in the West is he he didn't really collaborate enough like he tried to do everything for that and he 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 should have you know, uh, consulted with more people with, when making that movie i think yeah no, utopia try everything is bad because it teaches kids to try everything like drugs and stuff yeah, it, yeah. he's got unfortunate implications <laughs> that was totally random but he said he was trying and wanted to try everything and that was what came to my mind yeah no you i don't blame you well, whatever I let it go man <laughs> No. Akuna Matata. I feel like I heard somebody talking about that, and I think it might have been you. Which one? Uh, the try everything unfortunate implications. Uh, I just I just said it just now. <laughs> oh, okay. well, I heard someone talking about it uh, sometime earlier in the year. Not long. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, so back to the groove. <laughs> yes. Um, back on topic. The thing we're supposed to be talking about. Hey, at least I know that I'm interested in things other than the Emperor's New Groove. So that's uh, good. You've learned you've learned very quickly that uh, even though this is a Disney podcast, we talk about a wide variety of things and uh, tend to just go off topic. Right? <laughs> we kind of go off topic, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like in the first episode of my podcast, we did a whole tangent about the parks. Yeah. Just goofballs talking about Disney and related stuff and Shrek for some reason. Well, Shrek is a parody of a satire and parody of Disney, so. Yeah. And, you know, someday Disney will probably own Shrek because they're Disney. It has aired on Disney Channel before. Yeah, but, so, like, Disney Channel just licenses whatever they feel like. Right. That just, that just scares me. Mm-hmm. Despicable Me has been on Disney Channel. That's a Universal movie. I'm pretty sure for a long time, Universal is not going to want to sell to Disney unless they're. I guess Fox was in a really. Fox was in a tough situation. It was either Universal, well, Universal or Disney. has Comcast, which is sort of like the digital Disney. 
They're like telecommunications. Yeah. I don't want to say bigger, but I want to say they're a telecommunications company and also an entertainment company. They have. It, just, it, it feels uh, weird for Shrek to be on Disney Channel because, as good as that movie is, it's one of the only films I can think of that was made purely out of spite. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like about it. Um, and also, everyone compares the Emperor's New Groove to it, and I feel like they're very different. <laughs> No, they definitely have different senses of humor. Emperor's New Groove came out first, so it's and it did come out first. A lot of people don't know that because Shrek's more popular. Um, At least it is for now. (laughs) Right, but um, Emperor's New Groove is sort of more postmodern, more absurd, silly humor. Shrek is a a fractured fairy tale. Emperor's New Groove is sort of like a has has fractured fairy tale elements, but it's a lot less pop culturey and a lot less. Taking the, can I say piss? Yeah, Go ahead. Like, taking the piss out of Disney. It's more like honestly, just, if it if it takes the piss at anything, it's logic. I mean, yeah. in itself. And I I love it when films do that and pull it off well because, admittedly, fourth wall humor has gotten kind of stale at this point. Like so many things have been doing it that there's not a whole lot left. Anyways, but. but I I do think that. There is still an art to pulling it off successfully. Like anime, I yeah, or like Sonic Boom and Deadpool are always examples that come to my mind. A lot of people, um, like Isaac um, Isaac Watso. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he's a pretty prominent YouTube person on Twitter. Said basically said Cusco is the Deadpool of Disney animation. Oh yeah, I saw that tweet. Basically. I, yeah, basically. I think you'd have to have a crossover with someone to fully sink that in. Cause yeah, Dead- well, they're both owned by Disney, so and Disney owns Fox too. They would have it would be very difficult to do a PG Deadpool movie. Oh, I just noticed they even have the same color pattern. But if anyone could pull oh, off, yeah. if anyone could pull off a PG Deadpool movie, it's the people who did the Emperor New Groove. Yeah, both both Deadpool and Cusco wear black and red. Huh. Cusco has some well, gold in him as well, but. Deadpool mean. tried. Deadpool tried to make a PG thirteen film with Once Upon a Deadpool, and it just didn't feel right. I'm, it was just the uh, I'm sure there's people who can pull it off because I think there's people who can pull off just about any idea. It's all about. But the I think, I think Disney said they are open to making an R rated Deadpool. I know, movie. but I don't want an R rated Deadpool meets the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah. Well, if if Rick and Morty and Gravity Falls have a crossover, would uh, you want it to be so kids I mean, could watch it? They already have, in a way, it's just subtle. Yeah. Yeah, where Stan throws stuff into a portal and then Rick and Morty, those exact same... Have, have no, I, 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 no, I want the full-on, like, package. I, I want the whole but thing. I, I want to know, have you read the journal? Yes. A picture a thing in the journal where there's a bunch of pictures and, and a couple of them are alien uh, silhouettes and a couple of them are aliens for Rick and Morty and one of them is the plumbus. How did yeah, that Yeah. Everyone Everyone owns the plumbus. How did Disney let that get through cuz everyone knows what the plumbus looks like. <laughs> but you don't know where plumbuses come from. Well, uh, a plumbus and a daddy plumbus love each other very much. See uh, like that the, that interdimensional cable episode might not have been as good as the first one, but it did give us the plumbus, so I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm also a fan because I've done it a lot of improv, and there is, I I guess this comes from being largely board driven, a sense of sort of improviness to and spontaneousness 
to New Groove that I don't think they had in the TV show because the TV show was largely just scripted, I believe. Ah. Uh, the show so, was largely scripted, but uh, yeah, I do get that sort of sense that most of Emperor's New Groove was improved. So, storyboarded. Uh, a storyboarded-driven movie, does that mean that most of the humor is on the fly? Um, I'm not an expert, so maybe someday I will be. I would like to be. I do, <laughs> I do know what storyboards are, just so everyone knows. I know, I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm, I'm not sure what people mean when they say something is storyboard-driven. It's where they take it, they show the thing, and the actor and the people, people start scenes. with would try to make match their script to the storyboard. Yeah, you with storyboards, and then later the screenwriter will write down some of the stuff and also punch up the dialogue to make it more punchy and stuff. So, yeah, so Chris improv. Williams was a storyboard artist, and I believe he's the guy. He want he's the guy who came up with the whole talking to squirrels thing, and just as a as a joke. But in the Emperor's New Groove, if you have something as a joke, just put it in the movie. <laughs> right. Um, there was almost a scene where there was going to be live-action footage of a space shuttle, but Disney said that was just too weird. I don't know how that would work in context. You know what? I think they I would absolutely do something like that now. School out of context. That's just funny parts from the Emperor's New School taken out of context on Twitter. I think, I think people are a lot more open now to throwing live-action uh, weirdness into their cartoons. Like, I mean, just look at the amazing world of Gumball. Yeah, in moderation it works, but if you build an entire, I mean, I haven't watched much of Gumball, but um, I hear it's pretty good. But in general, it's a tricky thing to pull off if you're not going to do it sparringly. Yeah. Of course, that's just my opinion, but. And of course, we all, uh, of course, there's the the iconic uh, chick, chick, like a boneless uh, dancing in My Little Pony, oh, like yeah. hit it, boneless, and it's just like a puppet on, like a chicken what? toy on a string. Oh, don't don't forget the gummy shake. Yeah, the gummy <laughs> shake. Just a baby gator. Or how, about, or how about the scene from Chowder where they have no money for the animation, so it's just the force. I have seen that on YouTube. Yeah, I remember when I watched that as a kid. I was like, oh my gosh, I I had no idea how um, pretty Truffles' guys, actress was. You guys watch? Do you first of all do you have Disney Plus? Because yeah. what happened for the next question. Um, yeah. And have you watched Candace Against the Universe? I yes. No. I did. One, that, I have mixed feelings about that movie, to be honest. There's some jokes that really drag on, but the one joke that I love is... is spo- am I allowed to spoil it? Yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll spoil it for the people listening. Um, it's the fourth wall joke, where they everything is stripped down to its basic elements as they're going through the wormhole. And at the end, it's just Dan and Swampy at a storyboard. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was pretty funny. That was... <laughs> that reminded me of the chowder joke. It was funny. Yes, that's what... And you're mentioning the chowder joke reminding me of that joke, so... <laughs> and Amazing World of Gumball did something very similar where... Oh, uh, Yoda, you're echoing. Sorry, let me do that. Remember in the 2000s when every movie had an echo, echo joke? In the mid-2000s. Oh. Yeah, I do. Or maybe it was just Shark Tale and Finding Nemo. Swap it, Finding Nemo and Shark Tale. But those movies, one of those movies is a ripoff of the other. So yeah. I think of it as, oh my gosh, they even ripped off that joke. I mean, incredible. I mean, Incredibles had a scene like that. Not sure if it was a joke, but it did have an echo scene. Cool, cool, cool. These are the scenes where the characters yeah. literally say, "Echo, echo, echo." Ah. Um, 
And uh, I do, I do like Family Guy's version of it, where Stewie realizes that the his, the inside of his voice like talks There's, with an echo, like I do a thing <laughs> where they always have something over the credits of an episode of The Emperor's New School, and there's an uh. episode where Donk is yodeling, and he's yodeling, and it echoes back, and then he oh, and then he says, "Now what?" And the voice echoes back, "Now let's show the logo." <laughs> Uh, that's, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Amazing World of Gumball also had a similar joke where they ran out of money, and so the entire world just started like breaking down until it like came down to the storyboards, and then they just became sticky notes <laughs> <laughs> until they got their money back. Uh, reminds me of a Family Guy joke. It's like, what? What's blocking traffic? Oh, there's the problem. They haven't finished you know, drawing it yet. So yeah. <laughs> And then they get like a stick and they poke the animator who's like no, asleep at his desk. There was an episode of Family Guy. Um, I don't think it was really him, but there was an episode of Family Guy where David Spade, as a character, was in it as, him, as uh, the character, a fictional version. That's right. Of it. Oh right, and, replacing and, Peter. And, and I the... think Cleveland says, "What is who is David Spade?" And Patrick Warburton lists things from he's from, and he doesn't list the Emperor's New Groove or Rules of Engagement, which both had Patrick Warburton and David Spade in them. Huh. Oh, that's such a weird. Oh, that's weird. Not do that. Why would they? Why, that's such a missed opportunity. Yeah, I don't know if they I mean, even know the fact that exists. I mean, the fact they're leaving off the movies that they were both in, it feels intentional. Rules of Engagement was a TV show, but ah, uh, David. Oh yeah, I forgot that David Spade like played Peter. Like when is I? Yeah, I don't know. He, he played I, Uncle Ricky. Not, I don't like David Spade, so I'm pretty sure. It's hey a, guys, a time period called. They want an object back. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm David Spade. See, I can't do a David Spade voice. Uh, oh, Peter. And Peter, as James so Woods, was going to get David Spade for the super offensive 9-11 movie. Yes, yes, that's what I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, play, yeah. I play a window washer, and a, as the plane's coming towards uh, me, I'm like, maybe, oh, jeez, I, I just maybe, finished cleaning this window. I'm getting, um, I'm getting um, flash, uh, flashbacks to a certain... Uh, character in Family Guy's Twitter that I don't really want to talk about. Okay. Uh, good idea. A certain character in Family Guy. Yeah, I mean. So, let's get back to Groove. Okay. <laughs> Who is in the, both of the episodes we mentioned? Um, what else do you want to talk about about the Emperor's New Groove? I don't know. Oh my God. I don't know. Talking about the Emperor's New Groove. I think we covered our bases. We've, yeah. we've been talking about it for so many months, man. I just, I, 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 I feel like I've been talking about it for months just now. <laughs> I mean, do you have an entire podcast dedicated to it? Yeah. No, there's You're the world. A lot to talk about. God, I just, oh man, I can't think of anything. I mean, what else is there to say? It is, I mean, it's one, of, like I've heard people say it's one of the great, their favorite and one of the greatest comedies. It's definitely one of the greatest animated comedies. Mm-hmm. It's Disney uh, Disney comedy. Disney comedies. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the yeah. finest Disney movie. Right. Yeah, Disney I I have said before in the last podcast, but Emperor's New Groove is uh my second favorite Disney film. Yeah, it's easy it's easy in my top five. Yeah. What is your first? Oh, uh, Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, for me, yeah, for me, I actually like this about as much as I like the Lion King. Which is funny yeah. because they were both the finalists. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like the Emperor's New Groove wouldn't have existed 
if it weren't for the anachronisms and stuff of Aladdin and Hercules. Also, you know, Pocahontas and Hunchback and stuff, all fine movies, but they didn't do well at the box office, so they wanted to diversify. Right. Um, Every, I think movies fact, like Edgar Ralph and Zootopia, I do not think would exist without the Emperor's New Groove. Right, and it was a formula break. It did something different. It did something I think different. That because in the 2000s, everything had to be a comedy. By the 2010s, yeah, I think they had decided they wanted to do... It's called the Revival Era, but I like to call it the Experimentaissance. Oh, it's, I like that name. Where it's like a hybrid of what they were doing... Not exactly what they were doing, because experimenting every time is sort of a new thing. But practicing newer ideas with classic Disney movies of uh, um, balancing the two they have wreck it ralph and zootopia and big hero six but you also have frozen and tangled not in that order obviously and moana um right and probably the i don't know what right or i believe raya is going to be like raya and the last dragon is going to be I like consider raya the start of a new era since it's the first post lasseter movie that's not a sequel yeah yeah, um, and I don't, like, at first I thought it was going to be another Princess movie, which is fine. It looks very different from the teaser I saw. It looks more action-y. I mean, I guess Moana was pretty action-y, too. Moana is a hero's journey, Princess movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, I, 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 I spaced out. What, what's, uh, what's more action-y? Ryan the Last Dragon. Oh, okay. It's more action-y than like Frozen or Tangled. I guess Moana sort of was. I, I still more... haven't seen. I haven't seen that trailer yet. I I should probably um, watch that. Um, it's it's cool. There's a, a there's people in it. Yeah. How there's... to train your Asian dragon? Pretty much. Uh, they got they got uh, the Rose Lady from. Uh, Last Jedi. I thought she finds work. She is pretty good, even if she's I. That, I feel like, yes, she was definitely given a raw deal with that whole Star Wars experience. She definitely deserved better. Definitely. Honestly, um, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm not a huge Star Wars, the hugest Star Wars fan in the world anyways, but I like the sequel trilogies, but I definitely feel like Rose and John were not given a good, they were not treated right, I guess, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yes, uh, for sure, and I I'm glad that they've got other stuff going for them. Yeah. Uh, I believe he was in the recent uh, Pacific Rim movie. Yeah. I don't I don't know how well that film did though. I don't think it did very well, but I'm not sure. Okay. Or I don't think it was received very well. There's a difference between doing well and being well received because the Emperor's New Group was actually pretty well received when it came out. But yeah. it, yeah. Um, did it do better in like video sales? It did. That's how it became popular. How it became popular enough to get the sequel on the TV show, I think. Okay, I'm I'm glad that there's a happy ending there at least. <laughs> yeah. Because like, oh my gosh, this film has a hundred million dollar budget and it does not feel like it. Like, this does not feel like a $100 million film. I'm just going to say that right now. No, animation's always a little more expensive. Also, it was a completely different film that had more... But, I mean, you've got, you got Captain Underpants, and that film only cost $38 million. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Huh. Um, well, this, you know, the whole story about Kingdom of the Sun. I don't know how much of that... Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That probably do does go in 
That, that's probably why the budget is higher. Disney movie where they have lots of CGI. Um, the one thing I kind of like about the Inward Groove is there is CGI in it, but they deliberately make the CGI look as much like the hand drawn as possible. The log and the cart are CGI in that in that movie. I didn't even know that. That's, the, like, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. So you know, the cart that Cusco lands on. I uh, I guess. Uh, oh, oh, hello, Ryan. Uh, no, not my name. Sorry, I forgot. Rebecca. Sorry. What? Hey, forgot. Rebecca. How you doing? Hey, Jack. Are you almost done? That's why I wanted to call you. Because my video just ended. Really? Yeah, yeah I can come over right now if you're ready. Yeah, we might start wrapping up soon, actually. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting around there. Besides just, I mean, I'm going to plug the podcast. But also... Hey, Jack. I just yeah. want to say one thing to Jack. I'll be over there at 8 o'clock. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Excellent. What that post? All right, so you oh, ready to wrap things yeah. up? Yeah, I, for, I forgot. I forgot that her name was Rebecca. My bad. Oh no! Uh, don't worry. It's all cool. As long as you correct yourself. So yeah. Good. I, I won't. I won't be making a big old Twitter thread about this later. Like, so my supposed friend just told me to, uh, you know, yeah, that yeah. old thing. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, I think we can start to wrap this up now. Does yeah. anybody else besides obviously this podcast and their YouTube channel have anything to plug besides me? I said uh, I uh, I made I made a video today. Uh, it all it's all the deaths in Death Battle, but set to the beat of Mr. Blue Sky uh, to celebrate their ten year anniversary. So check check that out if if you're interested, please. I am very happy with how it turned out, and also. You know, at Namnet 108, at Out of Context RBPA. Oh, it's like one of those videos where every beat it cuts to a different death. Yes, I exactly. Love I like those videos. Actually, I'll I'll go ahead and post it right now. So, just so uh, and yeah, I, I, if you, I'll I'll yeah. link it in the description. The, uh, Thank you. I'm also starting the Pixar Panic in January. So we're two weeks away from the release of Soul. So if you have Disney Plus, you watch that. And the winner of Pixar Panic will challenge the Emperor's New Groove in the Grand Fine in a well, Super I mean, Cup. I mean, so. I, actually, I don't know where that would go because the internet loves Pixar and the Emperor's New Groove. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. I, it, let's see which film wins because yeah. I really want to do this Super Cup. It's been a while since Pixar's had a really good film, so all I could say about Soul is, Pete Doctor, please save us. Yeah, eh, like, I, I don't know. I, I thought Onward was really good. I thought Onward was good. On, Coco yeah, was on, really on, good. Onward was all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved Oscar. That was like three years ago. So yeah, I, mean, I do think the film would have been better if they had gotten Michael Sarah and Jack Black to voice. I think it would have been better if they got Michael Sarah and Jack Black to voice the characters. But I get like Chris Pratt and Tom Holland are a bit more relevant. Yeah. They got yeah. two years. The film came out a decade ago, maybe, but. If, if I were to plug, if I were to plug something in, I'm working on a special edition of my story, Animation Acres, and Wesley was, Wesley was actually editing something for me, and I like to say, keep an eye on, keep an eye on that. It should be on DeviantArt soon. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I've stopped, I've stopped, I've stopped using DeviantArt, so maybe I'll, uh, I'll check that out when. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The editing as much as I wanted to. Jackson's super busy. That's cool. Um, so... by, by the way, I'm not the kind of person who, when they stop use, using DeviantArt, they'll 
deactivate their account. I'm not going to be that kind of guy because I have stuff on there that I want people to still be able to, you know, look at. Same. That's cool. Oh, anybody else have anything to plug? Uh, I think that's it. Like my my YouTube channel. (laughs) Sorry. Um, No. Yeah, you're good. Go ahead. Um. Uh, my YouTube channel, well, there's a YouTube channel for the Ember's New Podcast, that's the Ember's New Podcast, but my main YouTube channel is Fireblast Studios on YouTube, I do animations, uh, or cartoons, or whatever you want to call them, my most popular videos are animations of excerpts sort of taken out of context from Tony Goldmark's podcast, Escape from Vault Disney, um, which you should all listen to as well, um, <laughs> that's a great podcast, um, uh, what else, I have a Patreon, Fireblast Studios is my Patreon, um, and I have podcast T-E-N-P is this Twitter, this the podcast Twitter. Micah Hirsch, at Micah Hirsch on Twitter is my personal Twitter. Um, I think that's about it. Okay. Cool. Uh, if, you'd, if you want to leave uh, links to that in the chat, I'll be sure to put those in the description. All right, just a moment. Yeah. All right, th- thank you that, all so much. Yeah, thank you all for joining us. covers everything. This was a lot of fun. Our silly little project. Yeah. Well, what can I say except you're welcome? Uh, uh <laughs> thank you. Oh, uh, thank you. Alrighty. Uh, take care, everybody. Ow! Ha! Boom, baby!